Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And we are live once again with another Talking Money broadcast. We're so glad to have you with us today. We are not a sales program, so I'd always like to remind, especially those who may be new listeners to Talking Money, that we are not here to sell you a thing. So I think there are so many, maybe most of the financial planning programs that are out there, the ones that talk about money, are actually have a hidden agenda. They're trying to sell you an annuity or some life insurance or something else. I just never tell you that. They may use Social Security as one of those um, fake lead-ins and try to give you information about that and get you in the door, but they're really just trying to sell you something. But today we're going to be talking about income and any income in retirement, which, of course, is one of the things that the annuity salespeople are talking about. So it'll relate to that somewhat, but we're going to show you some ways that I think are in important ways and maybe some different ways that you've not thought about to create the income that you would need in retirement. Whereas Ronald Blue Trust is the sponsor of Talking Money. There's 16 offices around the country, headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, Alpharetta, just outside of Atlanta, with an office in Charlotte, North Carolina. For those of you who are new listeners to the Talking Money podcast up in the Charlotte area, and of course the Greenville, South Carolina upstate market as well. So we are not, we are a fee-only firm, a trust company as well, of course, so that we can handle those kinds of issues for clients in addition to managing money and doing the extensive planning that we do for clients is important. So we'll have more information about how to get in touch with us about that if that's of interest to you. Uh, but that's as far as we go with sales. So we, we want to make that opportunity available to you if you want to contact us, if you feel like you could use help with your financial planning and tax planning, estate planning, investments, and so forth. We're here to help you, but we're very careful about how we accept a new client. We want to make sure that we always are a good fit for someone and we feel like our fee would be justified for what we do for you. But there's no front-end sales charges like there are with annuities, no big front-end sales charges like there are with annuities or life insurance, and no back-end sales charges, nothing like that. So the few clients that I think the few clients that leave us uh, for whatever reason, uh, and that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And for those who do, they, they don't have to worry about being charged some big fee because uh, they decided to do something else, take it over on their own, and so forth. So that that's um, just a little bit about what we're here for and what we're about. So there's several ways of getting money. So how do you get money for your retirement? I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Of course, the the main one of the main base incomes for people is their social security payment and pretty much everybody listening is available or has that as an option for them to get social security some some people who are in the ministry have opted out in years past and aren't eligible for that but most people are so you've got that base and it's really like having a large 
fixed income portfolio. So if someone is getting, let's say, $30,000 a year in Social Security, they would have to have a million dollars in, let's say, a fixed income bond portfolio or even U.S. Treasuries when U.S. Treasuries were paying that high. They haven't paid that high for a little while here. But when they were paying that high, it's like having a million dollars of fixed income portfolio that's generating you $30,000 a year or 40000 whatever it is for you. That's a big fixed income portfolio. So beyond that, for the income that you need, then it, it pays you, I think, to have, it's smart to have a combination of things above that to be careful how much you put in strictly fixed income because of the dangers that that can uh, reveal to itself into your portfolio and to your income needs some years later. So when we're talking to folks, they're usually concerned about the risk of volatility. So when I talk to somebody and they say, yes, I'm, I, I don't like to take risk. Well, the risk they're talking about is the volatility in their portfolio. So as stocks go up and down, even as, as bonds go up and down, but primarily they're thinking about stocks as they go up and down. I, I don't want that volatility. So that, that's a fear of mine. I don't want to do that. So that is the fear of volatility, that risk of volatility. But what happens is if you go so much to the other side to get rid of the risk of volatility, which means you're going to be, ultimately, you'd be in some kind of treasury, which you're going to have the absolute guarantee of the federal government behind you. And if you get a 3% 30-year bond or a 2% 30-year bond, whatever it is when you happen to buy it, well, that's locked in for that period of time. So an annuity, if an annuity does the same thing, it may be fixed, but it's not backed by the government. It's backed by the insurance company. And so I've, I've talked to a number of people over the years, and this goes back 30-plus you know, years with different insurance companies who have bought an annuity that had a pretty high payout. There were The interest rate on it was very high. And, of course, interest rates have been higher in the past, but they were so high and what happened was after they were in that contract, then some years later, the insurance company couldn't fulfill that promise of what they were going to pay. So they ended up having to cancel those contracts. And, and sometimes the companies even went out of business and they were had to be taken over by the state and the insurance uh, department and their assets divided among other insurance companies. So typically you don't lose your money with those things because there's protections in place that other insurance companies take over, but you you may not get the same interest rate that you that you plan on getting, and you it may take you a while to get it because if it gets tied up in the court systems and with the insurance department and so forth, then then you might not see that money for a while. So it's another good reason why, even if you're buying annuities, to not necessarily buy all of them, all your money with one company, with one insurance company, and certainly all your money with one product. You want to diversify among insurance companies depending on how much money you're talking about. But I think there are better ways to do it than an annuity. I would, I would look at the annuity as your Social Security without the same level of security because there, again, like, as I said, the federal government is behind the treasuries. It's not behind the backing of the company that's issuing that particular annuity. So there, there are ways, I think, to do that. What's what we're going to talk about, especially after we get back from the, our first break, we'll talk about what the, the differences in income, where they come from, whether it's treasuries, whether it comes from bonds, whether it comes from an annuity, which essentially gets you the, the bond-like income. No matter what kind of annuity it is, typically you're going to get bond-like income. So don't be... 
enamored with this, yes, you're going to get stock-like returns and and get the the safety of, of bonds and fixed income because that typically doesn't happen. The only way you're going to get a lot of money in the, the uh, fixed annuities or the indexed annuities is if the stock market does well. And in my opinion, you should just be in the stock market. And with the bond market, which is also where a lot of insurance companies invest most of their money, it's in the bond market. Well, I would say just invest directly in the bond market and, and forego the 5 6 7% upfront commission that you're going to be paying an agent to help help you buy that product. Is There's another reminder for you. Insurance products, whether it's life insurance or annuities, are typically not bought. They are sold. Somebody has to come to your house. Somebody has to contact you and say, this is what, come to the seminar, and we're going to sell you on this particular product, as opposed to our type service where people typically reach out to us. Uh, the only way I reach out to folks is by our newsletters that people have voluntarily signed up for, or you happen to be listening to Talking Money. And there's a lot of talking money out there, so you can go, those of you who are especially new to, the, new to talking money, you can go to talkingmoneyradio.com, click on the radio show heading, and that will take you to an archive of many, many topics of radio shows that we have covered in the past. So it's a wealth of information for you if you want to take advantage of that. It's all free, and you can go back uh, several years to get different kinds of topics on different kinds of subjects. You can do a search, so you search for a particular subject, and that will get you to where that particular radio show was that we covered that. Plus, we have some blogs on there as well, which uh, are targeted more to a particular Particular subject. So that's so when you compare that to an annuity, typically the annuity salesperson, the insurance salesperson is going out trying to knock on the doors and sell you something. You're not you're not going out there to buy it. So keep that in mind as you're looking at the different types of of ways to get income. Another way people get income in retirement is through dividends. So people will say, I'll buy stocks, and that'll give me the dividend. And and right now many dividends are paying more than the bonds. Or the treasuries, and some of the annuities, some some of those fixed in some of those fixed income, what you might call a fixed income type product, is in a stock. But that carries some of its own risk. When you when you invest in stocks, you're not investing in just to get the dividend. You got the volatility that goes with those stocks. And so we want to talk to you about that as well to give you some ideas on how to structure a portfolio to maximize those kinds of um, returns from those products and from those yeah those different types of uh, investment opportunities. So 877-235-9405 is the phone number if you want to, uh, to call in with a question for me. Uh, live today while we're on the air at 94.5 WGTK The Answer. If you're listening on a podcast, then you'll want to go to uh, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com to send an email. And of course, you can always call during the week or even the weekend if you want to leave a, a question on uh, voicemail, 800-588-PLAN. That's 800-588-7526. And you can leave a, uh, a question there for me as well or Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. But, of course, we'd love to have you call in in the studio today, 877 235 9405. We'll be back with more of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, 
Their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And we're back with Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, Certified Financial Planner, Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. We're talking about the ways to create income for your portfolio. And we want to hear from you if you've got a question about that. 877-235-9405 is the phone line if you want to get on the program today and ask a question. But I think one of the things that we want to make sure we cover today, I mentioned earlier in the show this morning, in the first segment, about the risk that most uh, when I talk to most people, radio listeners or prospective clients, uh, clients, the, the, one of the things they always will talk about when they're talking about their risks is they're talking about the risk of volatility, the risk of losing money in the stock market or even real estate. But most of them are speaking about risks of losing money in the, the stock market and the volatility. And when you look at the stock market, if you look at especially a, a well-diversified portfolio over time, there's, there's not times really when you lose the money. There are times when it goes down in price and goes up in price. But you have to always remember it's an auction out there. So people are trying to bid at what they think something's worth, not just now, what they think it may be worth six months from now because the stock market typically is very forward-looking. So that's why even in the past few months when you've seen the stock market going up in spite of unemployment reaching new highs because of the virus situation, it still it still did well because it's – I have to assume the stock market in general is feeling like, okay, this is a temporary thing. Things will get back to normal. So fast forward for yourself a year from now. What are things going to look like two years from now? What's the economy going to look like? No one knows, but the stock market certainly is predicting that it's going to be better. I had a committee meeting, a, a golf committee meeting that was on uh, this past week. We were doing a Zoom meeting, and one of the the members of the committee asked for my opinion on what was going to be happening later this year when the when the the tournament actually was going to be held. Will we still be back to normal and so forth? And I said, Well, you never know these things. My crystal ball's in the other room, so I can't I can't look at that right now. But if you look at the stock market and typically as a forward looking indicator that, yes, the, the stock market is saying things will be closer to normal than they are now by this fall, and that we should go ahead and, and move forward with the, the tournament as we have uh, planned. But that risk of volatility is very strong. It's very visible, and you feel it. You see it. The more you look at the reports that you have coming in, the more you see that kind of volatility. But the bigger risk, I think, is the fear, is, is the risk of loss of purchasing power. So I've seen this in a number of people over the years, individuals, even in my own family, where they got so conservative in their investments that as the cost of living rose over a, a 5, 10, 15, 20-year period of time, 
their standard of living really reduced because their investments did not keep up with that cost of living as inflation started to eat away. Now, some people have enough funds. I don't think there's going to be as many people that this would apply to have so many funds that it doesn't matter. They could put their money under the mattress, and as long as they didn't have a fire, they could have money enough money to last for their lifetime. It didn't matter. But most people, even that have that kind of wealth, are still not investing that money for themselves. They know they have enough to take care of themselves, but their family members or even ministries that they want to support will need those funds later. So they want to invest at least some part of those funds to have it grow so that it's going to be a larger amount by the time they pass on. And if the stocks happen to be down the day that they die, the year that they die, well, the people who inherit it don't have to sell the stocks right away. They just wait till they go back up, and then they can sell them at that, at that point in time. Or if they give it to a ministry, the same thing. The ministry doesn't have to sell those stocks at that at that time. They can always keep them and let them go. So I think you've keeping a portion of your – some portion – of your portfolio in something that has some higher growth potential is a smart thing to do because you have that stealth, I call it a stealth risk, so you can't see it, you can't feel it. All you see is the changes in prices, whether it's the, the next time you have sticker shock when you go to buy a new car and it's been 15 years since you bought one and you say, wow, I didn't realize the car prices had gone up so much since I bought my last one. I don't have near enough money to save. Well, I've kept my money too conservatively invested, so I didn't keep up with the cost of inflation. And with retired people, many times it's with medical so the the Medicare premiums, of course, keep going up. Those who have bought a Medicare Medigap policy or Medicare Advantage plan, which doesn't cost anything, but then leaves you exposed to other costs, as medical costs go up, then your portfolio is subject to not being able to keep up with those costs. So for some people, it maybe it's only 10%. It's 15%, 20%, a fourth of their money that could be in something that has more growth potential. Whatever you can put in there so that you can still sleep at night, and that's an important thing to do. Because what happens if, take a scenario, let's say you have a million dollars, because I'm using a million dollars because it's, it's an easy number to multiply from. And you need to get, let's say, $30,000 a year. So we'll keep it simple. So if you invest that million dollars in something fixed, whether it's a treasury, whether it's a bond, uh, whether it's an annuity that pays you 3%. And when I say annuity, be cautious because I'm not talking about the annuity payout. This is where, where people get confused sometimes is they say, I bought this, this fixed annuity or this indexed annuity, and now I'm going to annuitize, which means the insurance company is going to give me a guaranteed income for life. That income is not just income. It's partly a interest earned and partly your money coming back to you. So you say, well, I'm getting 6%. Well, you're not getting 6%. You're getting 2% of earnings and 4% of your money coming back. And that's how they can afford to do that over time. So the, you know by that, let, let's just say, though, it's bonds. So you're going to buy a portfolio of bonds or a mutual fund that invests in bonds, and it's all fixed income. So in order to get that $30,000, you need to invest all of it in that fixed income. So you're going to invest million dollars. You're going to get 3% from that fund or those that portfolio of bonds that pays you $30,000. Well, 
Well, as bonds typically are, they're not going to have a lot of potential for growing over that period of time. Now, certain years they do. As interest rates go down, certainly current bonds go up in price. But long term, we're going to say, all right, there's not that much upside potential in just a fixed income portfolio. So you, you might have reduced your risk of volatility because you're now all on fixed income. There again, that's the same portfolio that the insurance companies are investing in. So we're going to invest in the same thing the insurance companies are investing in without the middleman, without the insurance salesperson, without all the restrictions that come with all the surrender charges and all those other costs that are in there. So instead of doing that, what if we did something a little different and said, okay, well, let's take even a 50-50 portfolio. Say, all right, I'm going to invest 50% in those same fixed income bonds or maybe 60% or 60% in something more growth oriented. So if you can get, let's say, 5% out of that 600,000 that's in growth, then that's going to give you 30,000 on average per year growth. Now, it may not give it to you every year, and there's ways to help avoid that. We'll talk about that probably after the break. Then the, the other 400,000 is in fixed income. So even if the stock part went down, you know you've got 400000 that's in something that's not going to have as much volatility typically as the stock market. So that 400000 is going to earn that same 3%. That's going to give you 12000 not quite half what you need. The other 600000 is going to be in something more growth-oriented, and that can be invested a fair amount in dividend-paying stocks, which, which may pay another – 2% or 3% in dividends on top of that and still get you just from uh, dividends most of what you need from that $30,000. But then you've got some potential to keep up with inflation, keep up with the cost of living going up. So that's very, very important. So we'll unpack that a good bit more as we uh, come back from the break. But, of course, we've got to wrap this up for this particular session. But if you have any questions or would like to learn more about any of the topics I've covered on this program or few, uh, other programs, you can always reach out to your financial advisor, your CPA, your attorney, whoever it is that you rely on for counsel. I believe, however, that it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values and your biblical worldview. So if you want more information about that, please call me. Mike Miller, 800-588-PLAN. That's 800-588-7526. Or send me an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. No periods in there except the .com. Email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. We'll get back with the second half of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's one 800 588 
888-627-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. Uh, so pleased to have uh, them as a sponsor or us as a sponsor. And with offices uh, around the country, 16 of offices around the country. And, uh, of course, in Charlotte, if you're listening on a podcast in the Charlotte, North Carolina area or in the upstate of South Carolina, you can always listen live on Get the App from the, the Answer, the 94.5 WGTK The Answer app. You can listen live anywhere in the world. Or you can always listen on the podcast, if anybody can, even if you've listened to this show live, as we're on every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. You can always hear the replay of this as you go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you want to send a question, send it to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And, uh, of course, during the show, we can always take a live phone call. So 877-235-9405. Paul will be happy to take that phone call, put you on hold, and we'll get you in the queue and try to answer that question as soon as we can. We're talking about retirement income, and I think, unfortunately, many people design their portfolio to just avoid the risk of volatility without thinking about the risk of loss of purchasing power and their portfolio is not designed well enough to last a, their lifetime and even maybe just as important for some people to leave a legacy uh, to their children their grandchildren probably more importantly their grandchildren and to provide some money for them, they invested so conservatively that they just didn't grow enough because there was such a fear of volatility. So I think a ways to avoid, at least reduce that fear of volatility, is to have a well-diversified portfolio, which, of course, the Bible talks about, giving, having a well-diversified portfolio. Spending less than you make is a, a tried-and-true biblical principle that's just good common sense. If you do that over a long period of time, You'll do well, do at least better financially uh, than you would if you didn't do that. That doesn't mean you're going to be uh, unusually wealthy, but it does mean that you should be satisfied and you should have less stress for money because you bought less than you earned, paid and bought things that were less than you made. So you had some kind of cushion there. And those who are really fearful about things that are going on in the economy with the, the federal government even increasing more so the the national debt and the deficit going up so much, uh, especially this year, that one of the, I think, best ways to help reduce that stress is to, to get out of debt as soon as you can. Your mortgage, your car loans, your charge cards, whatever. I think the more out of debt you are, the less stress you will be as different things happen in the market because you're not your monthly expenses are just going to be more uh, manageable I think if you are in that kind of environment so we're talking about the different ways to create income so before the break talked about well if you had a million dollars and you put it all in fixed income and you made three percent you got your thirty thousand a year that you wanted uh, but if you divided it up into maybe 60% growth and 40% of fixed income, that you have a chance of making even more money on average, not every year, but you're going to have maybe $40,000, $45,000 that you get on average from that portfolio. And maybe even still, depending on what the market does, maybe even have still some set aside that you'd want to have to have for growth. So that portfolio is going to keep up with inflation. So you don't want to take all the income off of the portfolio because you've got to be able to reinvest so that as prices go up, you're there with it. So you can increase your interest income from the bonds, um, of course, by having fewer bonds and buying more growth investments. But some people will say, well, I mean, I'm going to invest in these other bonds. They are lower grade, lower quality bonds, but their interest rate is higher. Uh, 
So they pay a higher interest rate. That looks good, but then you're exposed to more credit risk. Or the bonds will have to be longer maturity. So the longer, typically, the duration or the maturity, duration is a factor of maturity. If you have the, the longer that is, the more susceptible that bond is or that bond fund is to changes in interest rate. So a 30-year treasury bond is going to go up a lot more than a two-year treasury bond when interest rates go down. Consequently, when interest rates go up, that 30-year treasury bond is going to go down in price. If you try to sell it before the 30 years is up or need to for some other reason, that price is going to go down because it has such a long time till you get your money back. Somebody else doesn't want to buy your bond that's not due for another 20 years if they can buy a new bond that's paying a higher rate. So it makes your bond worth less. Now, as long as you keep it to maturity, it's, you're still going to get your money back. So you don't have the risk of... of Lack of return to your money. You're not going to get the money back. That's not there. So, that, But that's one way to do it. But you have to be careful how much. I'm not opposed to having some of your money in the lower quality bonds, but just understand the risk that you're exposing yourself to when you do that. The other way people do that, I mentioned a little bit before the break, was chasing the high dividends through stocks that produce more current income. But sometimes that can have some negative consequences. Why is there a current income? that The high, higher dividend Higher current dividend may be there because the stock price just went down a bunch. Now, there again, that could be a reason to buy. I get a higher dividend because the stock price went down, but as long as the stock price didn't go down because the company was now having financial difficulties, which may give an indicator for a longer-term problem, which means they may be reducing that dividend. If you buy a stock that's gone down in price, the dividend's higher because they haven't adjusted the dividend to reflect their current earnings, and then three months later, six months later, they reduce that dividend. Well, the stock price is probably going to go down again even more. And your dividend yield, of course, is going to go down because they dropped that dividend price. So you can ask many, many people that I've talked to over the years who've had stocks that paid a good dividend that for some reason stopped paying that good dividend. And they just felt like, oh, that's a big company. It's always going to pay a good dividend. But that's not always the case. So there's an article in Barron's today, this weekend. This is the May 18th issue. For those who may be listening to a podcast later. So this is May 18th, 2020 issue. And this particular author, Lawrence Strauss, he talks about two particular mutual funds, the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation and the Wisdom Tree U.S. Quality Dividend Growth Fund. They're both buying dividend, higher paying dividend stocks. They key on dividend stocks. They don't buy smaller stocks and mid-sized company stocks that don't pay dividends. They, they want to use in, uh, stocks that pay dividends. So he pulled out eight stocks from the, the top holdings of those two funds, and they range from Verizon, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Comcast, Merck, McDonald's, PepsiCo, and Medtronic. So a lot of companies, it's a Probably you're, you're familiar with virtually all of those companies. Well, the dividends range from a high of Verizon, which is 4.4% as of this uh, this article, down to 2.3% was the lowest, and that's Medtronic. The rest of them are somewhere in between. So many of them in the mid to high twos, a few of them threes. So that's the dividends you're getting for that. So he then gave a, another column that said, what's the performance of those stocks since February 19th? So that goes anywhere from a, a negative 1.2% for J&J, &J, Johnson & Johnson, which has a 2.7, one of the lower dividend yields, 
anywhere to a minus 23.1% for Comcast, 18.1% for McDonald's, 163 for Medtronic, 8.7% for PepsiCo's, and 8.7% for Procter & Gamble. So all these companies went down. That's how much they... If you if you'd bought the stock just before that for that dividend and now it's down, of course, one of the reasons the dividend is higher like that is because it the the price went down. So then you got to you got to decide then what am I going to look at now? If you if you looked at nothing else, I've actually told some people to do this before in the past. If you look at nothing else, if you don't look at your statements, you don't look at the paper. You make some investments in some good high quality companies like this and leave it alone for ten years. And you keep getting your dividend. As far as you know, the companies are doing fine. As long as the dividend keeps coming to you, well, I think the companies must be doing fine. You're not going to even notice these kind of drops in prices because you're not looking at it. You're getting your dividend. That's all you bought it for. That's fine, especially with a company that, that annually or fairly regularly increases their, their dividends. And most of these increased them uh, just recently. So April, there's two... Two of them, April 2021, January 2020, the rest of them were 2019. Well, here's May 2021, just just increased it. Uh, PepsiCo did. So they can increase the dividends, and you're going to think the company's doing even better and not realizing what's going on behind the scenes with that particular company. So even though some of those companies, those dividends may be higher than what you might get in a bond fund, uh, there's still risks there that aren't in typically in a bond fund. So you want to be careful and just have your expectations there, but still not a bad place to, to put money, I don't think at all. You just have to know, being careful about chasing higher dividends, the higher the dividends could indicate a, a, a different financial problem that uh, the longer-term growth prospects, and I've talked about this before in previous um, radio shows and podcasts about the dividends is actually part of your growth. So it's really a, a matter of do I want to get my taxable income now by dividend or I'd rather use a invest in a company that doesn't have the dividends, still still just as successful as a company, but they're putting their dividends back instead of paying dividends, they're paying they're putting their profits back into the company for growth. So that's going to convert your income from just current income coming in, whether you want it or not, to long-term capital gains probably when you want to take that long-term capital gains. And then, of course, not a very nice way to get rid of that capital gain, but the estate planning laws are still such that you get a step up in basis at death. So you could have a couple of stocks for your lifetime. They'll grow up a bunch in, in price during that time and value. And then you pass, you die, your spouse or your children get a step up in basis, which means they're not going to pay any tax on all that gain that whole time, which gives it a, of course, a distinct advantage over that. So when we get back to the break, we'll talk about looking at your portfolio as buckets. You may not actually put them physically in buckets, but it's a way for you to look at your portfolio, I think, to hopefully help reduce some of the fear you might have of that volatility, which most people have that fear of. So 877-235-9405 is the phone number if you want to get on the program and ask your question. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, uh, and by the way, also podcast, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We'll get that on a future radio show as well. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. 
This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ron Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. We've been talking about retirement income and how the best ways to try to get that income without adversely exposing yourself to the risk of volatility or, more importantly, that stealth risk that we call the risk of loss of purchasing power that comes from the, the inflation prices going up for different things that we buy each and every day or maybe we buy every five or ten years as we buy a new car or we want to take a trip somewhere and all those prices go up. So we want to make sure that we have a good balanced approach. And one of the ways to do that is to have a, a, bucket, a bucket approach or at least a, a, an idea that it's a bucket. Even though you may not physically put your investments in separate buckets, mentally I think it helps if you keep them in different categories. So that, And this is all to help you keep from thinking I've got to try to – uh, predict or react to the market. If I don't predict, instead of predicting or reacting, so prepare. And prepare your portfolio by putting money in different categories. So I've even had a number of clients over the years who I have told to put money just in a money market account. And sometimes the money markets were paying a lot higher than they are even today. But still, if you put that money in the money market account, you don't have the chance to make much money in that. But you're not going to lose the money. So in order to protect the portfolio that is in, in something that has more volatility to it, you have some money that is accessible that doesn't have that volatility, even though it won't make as much money when the markets go up. But it's there so that you can actually use that money if you need to. You can pull it off the portfolio as the portfolio is doing well. And when it's not, you simply go back to the, the money market accounts that you have at the bank or someplace else the credit union, so that you can use that money. So when the the investments that are really intended to be more long-term investments are having some difficult times like they have recently, then you can leave those alone and invest in, in some other part of your bucket. So you can have really, you can divide it into multiple buckets. You might say short-term, one to two years. That could be typically in investments that are very, very conservative. It could be short-term bonds. It could be short-term municipal bonds if you want to get tax-free investments out of it. But it's really investments that aren't intended to make a lot of money but aren't going to have a lot of volatility to them. So that's there for emergencies. That's there to pull off the portfolio. It's money that you need. And if you do that, Every couple of years. So if you're using that for a couple, for even now, because you're 
stock investments went down, so and your bond investments aren't doing well, so you get into your money market account, you use that for three months, four months, six months, whatever it is, and then when stocks go back up, the bonds start doing well again, then you replenish that, so that you're always trying to maintain somewhere in that six month to two year of a portfolio that's in something that's pretty fixed, and then the more risk averse you are, the more you get nervous and can't sleep at night with investments that are going up and down, the more you might put in there. So you might not say, well, I just need one to two years of my income, my expenses in there. I want to put more than that in there because it just makes me sleep better at night. Understanding that you're you're increasing your risk of loss of purchasing power. You've decreased your risk of volatility, but increased the other risk that as long as you're comfortable with that and you can still handle that over some period of time, then that's okay. Intermediate term would be your next uh, bucket. So that intermediate bucket is going to be more of your high-quality, typical high-quality corporate bond-type investments. It could even be some dividend-type paying stocks and major stocks that that don't have much volatility, as much volatility to them, but at least pay a good dividend. Uh, part of it could be, depending on how much you put in your intermediate-term bucket, but basically, it's going to be something that's three to nine years, two to ten years, whatever that time period is best for you. That say, okay, I know that if for some reason the stocks went down and stayed down for ten years, I've got enough money that's earning intermediate term type rates. It's not so conservative as the short term, it's, it does, but it doesn't have as much volatility as the long term assets. I've got this intermediate term bucket that I know I can live off on if I had to for 10 years or whatever you're comfortable with. Maybe it's five years that you're okay with. But let's say as much as, no more than I would think nine or 10 years, you would want to have that much money in there. So they use your short-term bucket, your intermediate-term bucket. Then you're going to go to your long-term bucket. Now that's going to be, or maybe your ultra-long-term bucket. So those two buckets can have varying degrees of growth potential. So your ultra-long-term may say, well, I'm going to put money in that investment that's maybe uh, emerging markets that has a lot more volatility, but I think it's got better potential over a 15-plus year period. I'm not worried what it does over the next five years. You may not like it if it goes down, of course, but you're not worried about it for that five years because you feel like really that over a 15-year period plus, it's going to do much better than those investments. And you have to put up with some intermediate or some short-term volatility in order to get those longer-term better returns. And typically, those are the kind of investments that they, when they start going up, they go up like gangbusters. And, and if you're not already in them, you're going to miss a lot of the, the upturn. So that Long-term bucket, which is not that ultra-long-term, but the long-term bucket, which is more of a 10 to 15-year, that's going to be your basic portfolio of, of stocks. So it's going to be um, small companies, mid-sized companies, growth, value stocks, international, uh, some international companies, uh, more the the um, uh, not the emerging markets, but the other international companies that are more established. Uh, you would be in those. So those are. Those are what would be in your 10 to 15 year bucket because you're going to get typically if history repeats itself, and we think it will, that over that longer period of time, you're going to get a lot better return in those investments than you would have in that short term or even that intermediate term bucket. And that helps you spread it out and that helps you prepare so that when this, when the part that's in the long term or ultra long term goes down, hopefully you're not going to worry about that as much. There again, you don't have to like it, but you won't worry about it as much because you know you've got enough money in your short intermediate-term buckets that's going to last you 
up to 10 years. If it's going to last you up to 10 years, then the other money can just leave alone. And you have to almost really expect that it's going to go down like that because it really is going to go down. We don't know when, how much, or for how long, but it's it's going to go down. And so understanding that, then your expectation is there that it's going to go down so that you don't have a fear when it goes down. Oh, no, why did that happen? I wasn't expecting that. I'm going to panic and get out. Well, you know, you don't want to you don't want to do that for sure as well. Cuz you got those basic three fears and I've talked about them before. So you got the fear of missing out. So when the stock market's doing well, you're not getting as much as your neighbors or your coworkers. You got that fear of missing out or you see the S&P 500 index going up. Well, you're not all in the S&P 500 index and you have that fear you you just in the pit of your stomachs, oh, I should be in there. I'm missing out on what's what uh, is happening in that return. That's one fear. Then you got a fear of loss. So if you have that fear of missing out and the fear of loss, which one's going to win out? So if you have that fear of loss, you can't invest in the stock market with a fear of missing out. And then all of a sudden, when this it goes down, your fear of which is stronger to you? Is your fear of loss stronger than your fear of missing out? And then your long-term strategies would be your fear of failure. So what are the odds that my portfolio is just not going to meet my needs, which I think is the most important one to look at. But unfortunately, you can't take care of all of these. So don't expect your financial advisor, your investment advisor to, to take care of all those. That's asking for a miracle. That's asking for godlike uh, plays in the markets to say, okay, yes, you're in a professional. that You should have been able to get out of this particular stock or this mutual fund or this set of mutual funds, you should have been able to get out of them before they went down. Well, no one can do that. And if someone tells you they can, so if you're talking to a particular broker and looking for a new investment advisor and they tell you, yeah, we can do that, look at our returns over the last X number of years, well, you need to run away from them because they are not the right person to talk to because you are not going to get the right kind of, of information from that person because they're telling you they can time the market. Well, unfortunately, it's about time to wrap up again today. So if you've got any questions or you really want to learn more about any of the topics I've covered on the program today or some other program you're listening to, then you can always uh, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your own tax attorney, talk to your own CPA, whoever your professional is that you speak with. Uh, but I believe, however, you should. Uh, it's important to work with an advisor who shares your values and your biblical worldview. There's just a difference. So for more information about that, you can call me, Mike Miller. 800-588-PLAN. That's 800-588-7526. Or send an email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. That's all the time we have today. Have a great weekend.